Well, good morning and welcome to Belong Church. I'm so glad that you're taking this journey with us and we're so happy to have you along with us. And if this is your first time or someone invited you to take this journey with us and to come watch our video or anything like that, we would love for you to connect with us and simply to pull out your phone and send a message to 469 469- 289-1114 and text the word welcome. It's not going to be anything other than our text communication system so we can communicate with you. It's going to ask you a couple of things like what's your name and just a couple of ways that we can stay in contact with you. And it's just a great way for us to be able to communicate back and forth with you. Don't worry, no one's going to show up at your house. You're not going to get a free loaf of bread. It's just a simple way that we can communicate with you. Well, can you believe that the year is almost over? We are sliding into the new year, and I I don't know if you've seen any of the funny memes. I'm sure you have. Of If we knew what 2020 was like, we would have, you know, pressed fast forward, or, you know, the people that are doing time travel, like running back and going, oh, no, no, don't go there, you know, and it'll be interesting to see what the remaining part of this year holds and what next year holds. But uh, one thing I want to tell you and just reassure you is God is not up in heaven wringing his hands. He's not up there going, oh, I don't know how this is going to turn out. He is completely in control of everything. We'll be talking about that in a, in a couple of messages here very, very shortly about what it means that God is in control. It doesn't mean that he's controlling every little thing, and so every bad thing that happens is him. It absolutely does not mean that, and I'm so tempted to kind of like slide into that gear and go over there, but we're going to be talking about this, so stay tuned and make sure you don't miss out on that. I don't know about you, but I enjoy some of the reality TV shows, and not many of them, to be honest, but there's a few that we've watched through the years that are pretty funny to me. And I'm going to be talking about one of them today and, and, and the in, in, intertwining it in with our message. But have you ever noticed that athletes will train with weights to prepare them for the main event? So if you're a runner, you're going to have these bands of, of weights around your ankles and you'll run with those. You'll run with heavier shoes and you'll, you'll practice all of that. But when it comes the day for the main event, you take all those weights off. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, Therefore we also, when we're surrounded by so many, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. In other words, there's things that are strapped around us and holding us down. But listen, this is the main event. And I I love this scripture because it's talking about everyone who's gone before us. So all of our loved ones, our our grandparents and our parents in some cases, and, you know, great-grandparents and all of our loved ones, maybe it's brothers and sisters or spouses or, God forbid, children, but there are so many that are moved and transitioned to heaven, and they're up there, and here we see surrounding us is a great cloud of witnesses, and they're there to cheer us on. Many people will ask, hey, what's it like in heaven? And and are they able to see us? Are they able to hear us? And right here, right this scripture right now, it shows us that there's a great cloud, that they're up there and they're cheering us on. So yes, I believe they are watching us and they're cheering us on and going, you got this, you can do it. And they look at all their hindsight of how it was for them and now what they see in heaven. And they're giving you more cheering. But as Pastor Chris 
this says, it's like when you're up in the bleachers and you're yelling down, you got this, go, you got it. But down on the ground, when you're on the, st- on the, on the field, it's like, <sighs> you can't make out one individual noise. And that's what it's like for us. So they're up there cheering us on. So this is the main event. So we need to not let any weight hold us down. It continues on. It says, and the sin or missing it, which so easily ensnares us in the New King James, let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us. So see, this isn't the training time. This is the event This is the Olympics. This is where we're going to give everything we got to this race. Take off the weights. Don't let anything hold you down. In the NIRV, it says this. A huge cloud of witnesses is all around us. So let us throw off everything that stands in our way. So let us throw off any sin that holds us. It holds on to us so tightly, and let us keep on running the race marked out for us. He continues in verse 2. Let us keep looking to Jesus. Pause, time out. That is the greatest verse we can just take that right there. If you don't look at any of the rest of them before or after, even the rest of this verse, but just that, keep looking to Jesus. Because there's so much that is going to be in our life, that it's going to be things that will try and hold us down, that will try and make us stumble. We have to keep looking to Jesus. But if I can be honest with you, most of the attacks from the devil, from the enemy who can't help myself. John 10.10 says the devil has come to rob, kill, and destroy. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to trip you up, but most of it isn't necessarily just to get you to be tripped and fallen, but it's to take your eyes off of God, to cause something bad to happen to you that you'll turn around and blame God and cause this rift between you and God. And let me tell you, he hasn't moved. It's like the old joke of a husband driving in the car and his wife's over on the far side of the pickup truck and she goes, you know, I liked it better when we were first married and we used to sit beside each other while we're going down the road and he just looks at her and goes, who moved? You know, he's still in the driver's seat. He's still behind the wheel and that's just funny to me. But it's the same thing. God hasn't moved. So when we have things that rift us and pull us away It's not because of him. It's because of things that happen in us. And that is the goal of the enemy. Continuing on. He, Jesus, is the one who started this journey of faith. And we look at it so often, but faith means I'm persuaded. I'm convinced. So if I'm taking you to a restaurant that I love to eat at, and I'm like, hey, I want you to try this new meal. You're like, going, I don't know about that. You may say, I don't really like that. That doesn't look like what I would like. I just told my daughter Jennifer real recently about my mom making some cakes growing up. And my mom's a great baker. And taught me to do things and my brother to do as well. And I said, listen, one of my favorite ones is one that would not sound good at all. And that is the zucchini cake. 
If you think about a vegetable and a cake and you're like, hold on, Pastor Kevin, that is just not going to work out very well. Let me tell you, it's really good. And another one she used to make that also sounds even worse is a mayonnaise cake. But when you eat it, it's pretty amazing. But if I'm sitting there trying to get you to be convinced of to try the zucchini cake or to try mayonnaise cake, I might not tell you what the name of it is or what's in it. I'm just going to try and convince you. I'm going to try and persuade you to try it. But here's the thing about being convinced and being persuaded is when you actually step out and try, you go, wow, that is pretty good. Let me have another bite. And that, in a nutshell, is the gospel. That, in a nutshell, is our journey of faith. It is taking that one step towards God and saying, I don't know. I might still be just checking everything out, and I'm not too sure about it all. But I'm going to start on this journey, and he meets you right there. He's right there with you, and it's so, wow. I am sleeping better. Oh, wow, this is working better. And oh, oh wow. Uh, and you start seeing this great experience that is a relationship with God. And so often I quote Pastor Tad at the end of the message. And, and I love every time I hear it. And it just like puts a smile on my face. He'll say this. If I could take Jesus out of my heart and put him in your heart just for a second, You'd never want him to leave. Now, why is that? That's because you would be persuaded when you have this experience. See, it's the same way with everything. Jesus, in verse 2, is the one who started this journey of faith. How did he start it? Because he came to earth to pay for your sins so you don't have to. See, we all have made mistakes. We all have missed it. We've all missed the mark in our need of a Savior. Because I don't know if you've realized this or not, but we can't pay the high price for our sins, for our missing it. And we've all missed it. He came so that I wouldn't have to pay for my own sins. See, he's the one who started this journey. Continue on, verse 2. And he is the one who completes the journey of faith. In another place in the Bible, it says this. That he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. See, Jesus is the one who started it. And he's the one who's going to complete it. You know what that requires of you and what it requires of me? To get on the journey with him. Continuing on, says he, Jesus, paid no attention to the shame of the cross. Let me tell you, for Jesus to be have everyone turn their back on him and, and people are just like they are today when one time he's out there preaching and there's miracles and all this stuff is going on, they're like, yay, yay, yay. And then all of a sudden he's being tried and he's going to be crucified. They're like, I didn't know there's anything wrong with him. I didn't see all that stuff. Oh, I wonder what he did. And we immediately jumped to something. It was shameful for him to be crucified. It was shameful for him to be wrongly accused. 
We've seen people in modern day that are wrongly accused, and it just, you see the toll it takes on their family, on them and their spouse and their children. It's shameful. Shameful what Jesus had to go through, the shame of the cross. He suffered there because of the joy he was looking forward to. See, he wasn't just at the moment in the cross, and this is all he saw. He saw through the cross. He saw through all the suffering. He saw through the shame. He looked forward to you being free. He went through all of it, and now it says in verse 2, the end of it, it's seated, he's seated, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, he made it through these attacks by sinners, by people that are just trying to take him out. So think about him. Then you won't get tired and you won't lose hope. I just love the, the way that is all so eloquently described. He made it through these attacks. So you can too. He made it through everybody talking about him. So you can too. So think about him. Then you won't get tired. He made it through and so are you. And you won't lose hope. In the NASB it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. I want you to think about that. You're fixing, you're changing where you're looking. You're changing where your focus is. You're saying, I'm not going to look at the shame. I'm not going to look at what people are saying. I'm not going to look at the things that are trying to discourage me and take me out. But I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. It says in this version, the author and perfecter of faith. And the word perfecter means the one who causes it to come to completion, makes it all be perfect or complete. Now, I mentioned a show that's a reality show that I enjoyed watching, and, and it's called The Biggest Loser. And in no way, shape, or form are I, am I trying to talk about anyone who has extra pounds. I have extra pounds that I don't want on my body, and I should probably go through some of the steps they do on the show. But I, I love the show and how they show you that it is possible, no matter where you find yourself, to do better. And that's simply what you know, again, the message of don't sin is to do better. But they take them on a period of time and they'll put them through exercises, changing what they're eating. They're causing a change in their life. And, and if I'm being honest, they're trying to persuade them. They're trying to convince them of a different way of life. Which is probably the reason I like this show because, you know, when you are that overweight as the people that are contestants on this show, you can kind of think that this is all there is. And you kind of get stuck in habits. But they take them through these periods of time and, and even take them into testing things that there's this huge spread of the things that they know they really like. And they can go and indulge themselves or they can remain disciplined. But in, in all of that, <laughs> that wasn't the point. 
But in all of this, one particular episode, at the middle of it, they've lost some weight. Many of them have lost a lot of weight. And I give them great props and great credit towards them having taken all the steps and the disciplines and the, the difficulty that it took to get there. And honestly, they might not be completely convinced because if they left in the middle of the process, they might go back to their old ways, which is very much like you and me. But this one particular episode when they'd shed down 50 pounds or they'd shed 80 pounds, I think one even did like 110, 120 pounds. They took them to a track one morning and they had a fat pack. So they had the amount of weight that they had lost. And if you've watched the show, you know, at the end of every episode, they do a weigh-in and they see how much they've lost and what their efforts have gained them. Well, they knew the total that they'd lost and they had fat packs made to bring them back to their original weight when they came on the program. And then they made them walk laps. And it was amazing and eye-opening to see them struggling. But this is how life used to be for them. This is how life was when they began this process. They just didn't realize it. But over the course of them making changes in their lives, some things had changed and they didn't even realize how much until all of a sudden there was this weight that was all about them. And you see the tears in their eyes. You see the, I can't believe it. And that was part of them being persuaded and convinced to keep going in this process. Can I tell you, in our own lives, we have weights that we were never meant to carry. There are things that we will hold on to and that will stay attached to us that we were never created or designed to carry. These could be weights that were put on you from others. It can be a spoken word over your life. You'll never amount to anything. I don't know why I even had you. I wish I had aborted instead of having you. There could be so many words that were on you that are weights that are just carrying you on that you would say, I don't even know why I'm even here. You can listen to the voices of everyone that's trying to put shame on you. You can listen to all the things that people trying to pull you down, and it can be just like I started off the message, weights around your ankles, or like the show, around your waist. And you're sitting there trying to navigate through life with all this stuff that's pulling you down. But here's the most amazing thing. But where people have put and meant for things to weigh you down and to put you under and to rob, kill, and destroy you, God says, he will use what the enemy meant for evil, rob, killing, and destroying. And he will use it for good. In Genesis 50, verse 20, 
Joseph is talking to his brothers who are horrible to him. They were so jealous of him. They threw him into a pit. They sold him into slavery. They convinced their dad that he was killed and all of these terrible things. And here's his words to them when he had an opportunity that he could have repaid evil for evil. Verse 20, he says, you, family, planned to harm me. Look at this. But God planned it for good. Now, again, God didn't say, okay, I want Joseph to go through all of this. He took the plans and the, the deceive, deception and, and all of the bad things that were happening, all the weights that are being attached to him, and he goes, I'm going to turn that for good. goes on. He planned to do what is now being done because he wanted to save many lives. See, Joseph had a vision from God of being in that place. But God didn't want him to be betrayed by his family, but they did. He didn't want him to be sold into slavery, but he was. He didn't want him to be falsely accused, yet it happened. But God says, even though everyone planned to harm me, he's able to turn it around for good. In Romans chapter 28, at chapter 8, verse 28, it says, we know that in all things, in all things, not some things, but in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And he appointed them to be saved in keeping with his purpose. In all things. All that weight that may be holding you down, that's why it says to get rid of it. Knock it off. My wife would say, it's on your shoulder. Brush it off. Get rid of it. Get rid of everything that's holding you back. Because God in all things works for the good of those who love him. Please bow your heads. In all things. Now, that may be difficult for you to imagine. That may be difficult for you to understand. That may be difficult for you to conceive in your mind that all the things that have happened to you, God is able to work in the middle of that bad. See, Joseph, it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in a week. It didn't happen in a month. It didn't happen in a year. You see, God, who began this work, keeps plotting day by day. He keeps working. But notice there's a condition for those who love him. In other words, for those who are in a relationship and looking to Jesus, we have to continue looking to Jesus. So today... You may be checking things out. You may say that being convinced and persuaded, I don't really know about that. That's awesome. But if you get into this journey, you take the first step, God will meet you. Then when you take the second step, he's right there with you. And you take step by step. And before you know it, just like on the show that I talked about, a year will pass by, and if you were to put all of that stuff back on you, like, how in the world did I ever survive? 
That's why I like that show so much, because it's so in parallel with what goes on in my life. So I invite you to take that first step. It simply begins with praying this prayer. To ask God to come and take control of your life. I was talking to someone recently a couple of weeks ago, and they're telling me about how terrible things are going in their lives. And it's not just one person. This happens many times. So if, if you're listening, I'm not talking about you. I'm you and several other people. It's actually one of my favorite things to say, particularly when I'm feeling a little ornery. I said, you know what you're doing? You're doing life on your own. How's that working out for you? See, we need to stop doing life on our own and surrender to God. I invite you to say this prayer with me. Say, Father in heaven, right now I choose to give up doing it my way, on my own. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive me for every time I've missed it. And I receive your new life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to pay for my sins. Right now, I give my life to you. I'm going to start this journey with you. I choose to place my trust in you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us, maybe it's your first time, or maybe you're just kind of stepping out in faith with that. Or maybe you prayed it many times before and you're just praying it again. I encourage you to text the word CONNECT to 469-289-1114. And that is simply just taking the next step so we can communicate with you what your next steps could be if you would like to take them. Again, text the word CONNECT to 469-289-1114. Let's close in prayer. Father, I speak a blessing over everyone in the sound of my voice. No matter where they're listening to this, at the time it's going live, Lord, whether they're listening to it later, if they're listening to it off the text message they got or someone forwarded to them, or if they're listening to it years from now, Lord, I thank you that your presence is there with them. Lord, that you started a journey and you want them to start it with you. You're looking for them to step out in faith and be convinced and then become a little bit more convinced and become a little bit more convinced and then a little bit more convinced and then they'll be convincing others because of what they've seen and experienced with you. Lord, I pray that we're all able to lay aside every weight. Lord, those things that have been voices and words and things from parents and loved ones, from teachers, from coaches, from whomever it would be, maybe even a spouse or a parent. Lord, things that are hanging on to us and clinging on to us and slowing us down. Lord, that we'll speak and find your freedom. We'll lay aside every one of those weights. Thank you, Lord, that it's you who began this journey and it's you who's going to complete it. I simply have to keep taking the next step. Father, I give you all the glory 
and all the honor. Thank you, Lord, for Belong Church and what you're doing here and all of the tremendous stories we hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Next, you'll see ways you can connect, find us on social media, and ways to give.